Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast. I'm Conrad Olsen, founder and editor-in-chief of Scandinavian Mind. Today we are revisiting a talk from the Transformation Conference, a fashion tech event we hosted together with Uni Communication in Helsinki on May 31st, 2022. In the midst of the most transformative period that fashion has ever seen, we wanted to explore how Finland and Sweden could deepen their impact on the industry together. This panel talk was titled, How Brands Can Use Technology to Help with Sustainability. We listened to practical tips on how brands and designers can utilize new technologies and material sciences to accelerate their sustainability practices. Speakers were representatives from two leading innovation companies. Kirsi Tero is key account director at Infinite Fiber Company. And Niklas von Weimann is CEO at Metzespring. The Transformation Conference is a two-part event and the second edition takes place in Stockholm on August 25 during Nordic Fabric Fair. If you want to get an invite to that event, please make sure you subscribe to our newsletter. Visit scandinaviamind.com newsletter. I'd like to thank Helsinki Partners for making this possible. Here now, my panel talk with Kirsi Tero and Niklas von Weimar. Enjoy. I have I, I, I realized I have uh, so many questions from you guys uh, and I re- we're not gonna uh, reach the end of, of my long list uh, because I'm a tech nerd I like fashion and I want to get into each of yours innovation uh, uh, Kisa I will start with you perhaps for the audience who is not familiar with the infinited fiber company and your product which is called infina am I right yes give us the headlights uh, he- headlines uh, on this. Yeah, 30 seconds, <laughs> Infinite Fiber. You, you can get uh, so, more. So uh, what, what Infinite Fiber does, we take post-consumer textile weight out of the landfills, and what we do, we create a brand new fiber called Infina. We have a chemical recycling process where we are first, um, uh, after collecting, sorting the materials and getting the cotton-rich material, uh, removing colors, polyesters, elastane, everything that is in there, and we are interested in the cellulose. Then we go to carbamation, where we force the cellulose to co- <coughs> connect with urea. That sounds terrible, but it's actually not. I, I will explain a little bit better. Uh, and then we make the cellulose dissolve into liquid. So we have cellulose liquid that we can then turn into brand new fiber by extruding it to the acid bath. And that's a totally reborn new fiber that is made out of 100% post-consumer textile waste. And uh, the urea thing, that sounds terrible, but urea is an animal feed grade urea. You actually feed that to animals as well, so it's not that bad. Mm. Thank you for that. Uh, you recently announced collaborations with uh, Tommy Hilfiger brand, uh, the entire PVC group, as well as Inditex, I, th- I think. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, and I know you are responsible for these relationships with the fashion industry. Uh, Why is there such a great interest for this material company? We had the same question before, but I want to hear it from you. I think that every single brand is looking for solutions. They have made very big claims, and kind of like a, uh, they are seeing the future that we will be using only recycled material. We will be uh, fully circular by this and this year. So they need the solutions. 
And I think that um, most of the brands are shopping everywhere. But um, I, I think that uh, those brands that have been doing their due diligence, they know who are the ones that really has a solution that can really provide to the circularity. Mm. And that's why they have been uh, well after us. And do they come to you or do you go to them? Both. Both. <laughs> Both. Um, Niklas, Metze Spring, um, you have similar solution, but not quite. I'm going to ask you to describe your, your innovation as well, and we can get into some of these, these questions. But uh, give us the rundown of, of what Metze Spring is. Yeah, <coughs> happy to. Uh, I actually feel like the odd, odd person in this room uh, with a background of, of uh, science and engineering and a PhD in, in, in technology. So uh, I think I come from a fairly different direction. And I work for a forest industry company. So you, you know, in Finland, the UPM and, 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 and Metsa Group, uh, Stora, and so going to Sweden, uh, SCA and, and Södra and so on. So this is my, my base. And within the context of this uh, uh, <coughs> Metsa Group especially, we have an innovation company, which is now uh, almost on this day, uh, uh, actually on this day, uh, four years old. Um, we did file the papers a bit earlier, but it took three weeks for the, for the local uh, authority to get the, the, <coughs> the company registered. And we are active in, 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 in different uh, projects, and this um, uh, production of textile fiber uh, from wood pulp is one of the projects, and obviously that's why I'm here. Mm. This is a garment uh, made out of uh, the kura fiber, as we call it. So just to be clear, you are not a startup or, or sort of born out of nothing. You are born out of a, a bigger industrial company called Metsa here in, in Finland. Uh, just to start with, what does that mean for your way of working? Yeah, Metsa Group, the original company, was established in 1934. Mm. So we are not a startup anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> far from that. But uh, a large company needs to, to try to innovate. Uh, and and uh, there are many ways to do that. But I think one way is, is to have a separate company or a separate unit that has the freedom to, to, to act like a startup. And we also invest in startup companies. So, so uh, I think that is... Uh, what makes our way of working a, a bit different. Uh, and then, of course, there is a huge difference uh, depending on which side of the table you are sitting. Uh, being a startup company, um, typically you are always uh, uh, looking for the next round of financing. Mm. Uh, and that kind of uh, sets the tone of, of, of how you are working. Whereas in a large company, which is a profitable company, the, the financing is not the issue, it's, it's then other issues that we have to work with. And, and so it makes the, the, the work different compared to what Infinited Fiber Company or Spinova is doing. Mm. But I'm curious, I mean, having this background, and you mentioned that you said you felt like a bit of an outsider here today, but we're so happy to have you. Um, uh, what are the incentives for Metsa going into this? Because you, it's, it's not a natural evolution to become like a fashion company. That's not the, the driver here. I, is it more about finding new business models for your core business? Yeah, I think if you really simplify, um, we are really established in Finland. And, and uh, the reason is that, that we, uh, the parent company is a cooperative. So the cooperative in practice then have uh, uh, owner members and they are all forest owners in Finland. So uh, roughly today, uh, 100,000 
forest owners. So private people might be some of you uh, who are uh, owner members of, of Metsä uh, Liitto Cooperative. So um, the mission is quite clear. We, we, we are here to, to increase the value of the, the forest, the wood, owned by these owner members. And one way, or the way that Metsä Group can participate is, is by having a market for the, for the wood. Mm. Uh, <coughs> one of the main products we are producing today is pulp. So you convert wood into pulp, which is then used to make paper and, and, and within Metsä Group, paperboard and, and tissue paper and so on. Uh, we produce a huge amount of pulp and about half of that is used inside Metsä Group and the other half is sold to the market. Uh, so we uh, have an opportunity to use that other half, at least part of that, and, and process that within Metsä Group to a new product. Mm. And then when we look for these new markets, uh, one of the most interesting one is the textile market. Because you obviously already have these food-based textile fibers on the market, uh, although small amount compared to polyester and cotton, but still uh, uh, 7 million tons per year, roughly. So it's a huge established market. Uh, uh, the viscose process was invented over 100 years ago, so it's, it's really uh, an old uh, industry. So we see that opportunity. We have this raw material, we have all the story, uh, traceability, the, the foundation of the forest uh, owners in, in, in our uh, uh, way of thinking. And, and now we, we, we are looking for new opportunities. And one of the main reasons is the fact that, that you cannot, um, the, the, the tree, wood, is, uh, is, is a limited resource. And in countries like Finland and Sweden, we are already using uh, close to the limit of how much you should take out yeah. of the yeah. of the forest on an annual basis. Uh, so, um, uh, and that is debated all the time, which is the limit. But but in both Finland and Sweden, uh, the the forest grows more on an annual basis than what is taken away. That's important. So it's a truly renewable raw material. But how much is it? Eighty or ninety or seventy percent, which you can take out of the annual growth. That's debatable, and that's of course important to continue. So a company like Metsä Group, long answer, but it's very important to, to understand. Uh, we cannot uh, continue to grow on a model where we, 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 we use more wood. So we need to also look further down the value chain, how we can make uh, valorize more or take part further down in the value chain and, and, and uh, grow there. Mm. And just to be clear, it's viscose and lyocell, that's two of the products you're hoping to kind of replace or make a, an alternative to. Yeah, there are essentially four uh, uh, different technologies today on the market, excluding now these young Finnish companies and Swedish companies. So viscose being the biggest, uh, mm. I think then cellulose acetate or lyocell being number two, and then one factory making Cupro. Uh, <clears throat> and what we uh, are doing, we have a... Uh, we are trying to develop a method uh, where you directly dissolve uh, the, the cellulose. So it's a direct, direct dissolution technology, which is the same as we know the lyocell process today. So I would say that at, at least in the, in the beginning, if we go into this business, we would be uh, uh, selling to the same uh, customers who buy lyocell today. Right, right. Uh, I would just say that like, viscous industry is really heading to its end. Because I mean, what I have been hearing, for example, from China, is that uh, viscose mills are being closed because mm. of the nerve poisons that they are using, and uh, that is probably the place where you have a big role. Yeah, and, and Infinite Fiber Company as well. Uh, but that's true. The, the viscose process uh, it, it's uh, it creates toxic uh, chemicals, so that's bad for the workers. 
within the uh, factory, but also for the environment outside. And, and uh, uh, to build that kind of factory in Europe would not happen anymore. Mm. It, it would be too expensive to, to try to protect that, uh, the workers and the environment. So, so my guess is that we will never see a new viscose uh, factory in Europe or Western world. I don't know about China and Asia, but, but uh, the Western world. And I think the fashion brands also start to realize <coughs> that, that you need to slowly move away from, from this current viscose uh, material. Kirsi, let's talk about recycling. And I think this is one of the topics I find really fascinating. <coughs> uh, I think there's, there needs to be a lot of innovation in the sourcing of, of re the recycled material as well. How do you uh, see, tackle this, this problem? How do you see the future for, for re fashion recycling? <laughs> uh, let, let's start with the kind of like how do you should design. So right. first of all, let's design for the circularity because mm. uh, if, if that is thought already on that table, that's much more easier. But currently, there is so many plants, so many different fabrics. Um, uh, they have trims, they have everything in the clothes, and uh, there is toxic chemicals in the clothes. And uh, for example, the sorting of the materials is done by hand still, mainly. Uh, there is emerging technologies really uh, helping that uh, to really get to the level where we can identify fast what are the materials that are in there. Um, I think that the kind of like recycling technologies itself, uh, there is emerging technologies for uh, polyester, for example, is not there yet. Mm. Uh, cotton is uh, kind of like the most recycled material. Uh, but then there is a lot of others that doesn't have any solution. So there is a lot to do in that area still. But I think that uh, if we think about uh, how the whole recycling or circularity should be done, someone is saying it's a chicken and egg problem. It's not. Well, let's just bone the whole industry at large at the same time. It really needs to be uh, evolved to the level that the whole ecosystem is ready for it. And then we just press yes and go yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah Conrad, if you, if you allow me to, to comment, I, if I give an, give an example, uh, and this is not bragging, but all of us, we are uh, recycling paper and, and, and cardboard uh, at, at the home and, and also office and so on. And in Europe, if you uh, measure how much of, of this kind of material is recycled, it's roughly 75% already. And if you go now to, to textile uh, recycling, it's like 1%. So it's really kindergarten compared to what other industries have already developed. And what Kirsi is saying, it's, it's not one company, it's really the whole system that has to be... Uh, uh, the mindset has to be uh, changed to, mm. for that to work. Well, it's kind of obvious that, you know, in the recycling rooms of our apartment buildings and so forth, we don't have the bins for cotton or polyester and so forth. And maybe it would be impossible for the general consumer to do that today. But I guess that's why, where we need to be headed, right? Yes. Yeah, of course. Um, but if you think about kind of like having a different um, bins for the cotton and the uh, um, polyester, then what do you do with the plant? 50-50 plant with cotton and polyester, which bin? Right. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that uh, uh, it's uh, to kind of like have the collection that is legislated. Uh, uh, in EU very soon, mm. uh, kind of like it's just throw everything in the same bin and somebody else is doing the sorting. Mm, so have the hubs that are doing it in the different areas of the EU, for example. So let's talk about, do you know, do you know more about this legislation than, than I do? And I know Finland is maybe taking a more aggressive steps than the, the rest of the Europe, but what is it to 2025 that we need to recycle our textiles? 
Do you know? It needs to be collected. It needs to be collected. <laughs> yes. And uh, okay. Finland is taking a little bit of front runner in that, and uh, we are uh, kicking in next year. Next year? Yeah. Wonderful. Go Finland. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to go back to what Kirsi said. Uh, uh, the issue of what bin to use, it really starts from the design of the clothing. Mm -hmm. So you really need to rethink how you are designing also for reuse. <laughs> and that is not done you know, in, in, in fast fashion or fashion today. And, and that needs to change. That's all have been done in, in the paper and, and the cardboard uh, business. That, that's been de developed for the purpose of recycling. Uh, regarding the regulation thing, uh, something that need, you, you need to follow is this new textile strategy. Um, uh, that's, of course, only a framework. It's not legislation, but, but it, it lists a lot of new regulation that they are proposing to come in the upcoming years. And there's a lot of things that would come and, and change our industry or the, the textile industry, fashion industry at large. So, th so I don't think we have time to go into the details, but, but it also includes this design uh, for durability and, and recycling. Um, it puts much more uh, pressure and responsibility on the producers. Mm. You should uh, really show um, uh, how much of your uh, annual production is not sold. There's a lot of clothing that's never sold and that's you know, thrown away or, or burnt somewhere. In worst case, you find it in Chile, uh, in, in, uh, in the desert. So, yeah, no, so that's horrible. Uh, so those companies, uh, the producers, they will have the responsibility, if this legislation goes through, to really show uh, these numbers. And obviously that would then reduce that kind of uh, taking place. Mm. We're going to have a session on the new EU regulations at the Stockholm uh, edition of this conference in August. But how, uh, it's my understanding that a lot of the fashion industry in terms of the fashion brands are pretty unaware of these new re regulations coming. And, and uh, Niklas, you mentioned this. It's quite complex. It's not very easy to, to understand. Uh, both of you, uh, do you feel like you understand what's going to happen in terms of no. legislation? How would that will impact the, the fashion industry? You're laughing. <laughs> Does anybody understand you? <laughs> That's my question. I, I think yeah. it's a, a, it is a very large document. There's a lot of things that they are trying to right. solve in there. And uh, I, I think that kind of like a producer liability is one of the big things that is in there. And I think that will surprise a lot of friends in the end. I, I think it's a larger uh, issue. Uh, we just had a senior management meeting last week within Metsa Group, and, and I think the CEO president used the term tsunami, uh, and, and he refers to the, our current business. There's so much new legislation coming uh, from this current commission uh, that, that we, I mean, you hardly have time to, to understand what, what that means. And even the, the local ministries are saying the same. It's too much. Coming, coming up at the moment. And, and one of the, uh, I mean, obviously this uh, commission is, is really ambitious uh, regarding this Green Deal and, and stuff like that. But, but the, the, one of the problems uh, in, in how this is set up is the different departments, DGs. And they are quite independent, these DGs, departments in the commission. And they all produce their own legislation. So you have the industry DG producing industry-friendly uh, regulation, and then you have this uh, env environmental DG producing, obviously, something for the better ecological sustainability. And, and they are not aligned. 
So this department is saying that that push for this and this one is uh, kill that. So it it and it still becomes legislation, and we have to live with that. So it's, it's, it's really uh, difficult. Yeah, and sometimes even there isn't enough uh, kind of like a knowledge about making the decisions. So that, um, there, for example, was the single-use plastic regulation exactly. that they were doing earlier. Mm. And uh, they were there claiming that, for example, all the cellulosic fibers are plastic, which was craziness because uh, it comes from the woods, it comes from the earth, it comes from something that is fully de biodegradable. So uh, I, I think that um, the knowledge space needs to be there and it needs to be followed very thoroughly. Mm. Yeah, that was generated too fast. They, they, yeah. they did not really make the good impact assessments and understand the science and, and still we are implementing it now at the moment in each member state in, in the EU. And funny thing is each member state is doing it differently. Italy is really allowing almost anything, <laughs> and then you have fr France banning almost anything. Uh, I feel like EU regular. It's a rabbit hole. We can speak uh, speak to the, the whole day, but uh, and we need beer for that. <laughs> fashion industry, beware! There's a tsunami uh, coming uh, from EU. Uh, let's end with a little bit about both your organizations, where you're standing right now, Kirsi. Maybe you can start in terms of. Uh, what you're doing, uh, are there factories coming, how do you see you want to scale your uh, business, is it you want to produce it on your own or is it another business model on the horizon? Yeah, so uh, Infinite Fiber Company is now in a uh, stage of scale up and uh, we are currently uh, ready to build up our factory ourselves mm. with the 30,000 tons per annum capacity. It's a commercial scale factory but it's still in a, uh, let's say a small scale. And for that, we have been selling the fibers out already. And uh, we are not allowed to tell what is the place where the factory is going to be built, but it's going to be in Finland. And that's kind of like a scope. Whisper to me. <laughs> this mic. <laughs> <laughs> this mic. Yeah. Uh, and um, then, uh, of course, um, after that, uh, 30,000 tons is a fraction of what is needed. And mm. there's a huge demand. And so after that, we kick in our licensing a path. Uh, of course, the licensing model is already created. There is a, a package ready uh, for the, uh, the concept ready for the factories. And um, uh, that has been then the next step to really expand rapidly to, for example, Asia. Mm. Niklas, uh, yeah. where do you stand? Yeah, as mentioned, Metzespring is, is an innovation company. We have many projects, but in terms of this textile fiber project, we have a what we call a demonstration plant. So we have not decided yet to go to business. Uh, we are still testing the technology and we are still testing the, the market. The, the latter part is a collaboration with a Japanese company called Itochu. So they, they get the fiber and then they, they go to the customers and, and, and see what they think about it. So this demonstration plant, just to give you some, some uh, you know, scope, uh, we, we have invested uh, roughly 45 million euros into that and it's still not uh, business. It's a non-profitable huge plant and that's a typical challenge for, for companies like us. Uh, we, we need to, to invest uh, uh, quite a lot of money into the asset. Uh, so, so not all the uh, investors are interested in, in that kind of uh, business models. We hope uh, uh, to, to overcome the challenges and, and have green flags in all the questions, uh, market, technology, uh, uh, patents and so on and then move to business. And if we do that, uh, the factory would be in Finland, the factories would be in Finland. Uh, our concept uh, is based on integrating to our pulp mills. 
So utilizing the benefit of being part of a much larger industrial mm. asset. So that's, that's what we are uh, going for. And this is actually a nice garment uh, made by Itocho's uh, partner, the Rerax. Uh, well, let's end on that note, uh, uh, because we've talked before about the consumer and the sort of challenge of, of bringing data, new technologies, explaining this to, to the consumer. Uh, both of you, where do you see your role in, in creating strong brand narratives and, and where do you see your role in, in the fashion ecosystem there, Kisi? Hmm. I would say that um, we do that through our friends, friend partners. Mm. So we educate them. Uh, we um, encourage them to talk to the consumers, um, really kind of like a, a supporting them in their um, marketing communications, really kind of like helping them to help the consumer to understand mm. what is um, available. I, I think that that is our role. Of course, um, ourselves, we are still a very small company. We don't have a big voice. And to have a, uh, companies like Zara or H&M or those guys, which are huge, to talk about this, I, I think that uh, that is the way forward. Um, of course, uh, there's, I have been hearing a lot of uh, fast fashion, greenwashing words today. Uh, there is a lot of talk about that. Uh, but at the same time, what needs to be understood uh, when you, we are claiming somebody is doing greenwashing is that uh, the solutions are not in scale yet. No. So uh, if they are producing, for example, hundreds of garments made of, out of infina, it doesn't mean that uh, they are just um, <laughs> trying to get their name out and uh, kind of like a claim that they are sustainable because they're using it. It's more or less uh, that they want to talk about us, they want to educate, and also at the same time, they don't have an av availability of the fibers, mm. so they don't have an opportunity to even make the big launches. Uh, of course, there's greenwashing. I'm, I'm not claiming that there isn't, but um, I, I think that um, there is a lot of misunderstanding in that area also. It's an interesting point, and it is hard to scale uh, some of these more sustainable practices because of, of the supply. Um, uh, Nicholas, quickly before we end, uh, how do you see your role in, in communication? And I know you're doing some collaborations with Japan and so forth, but... Um yeah, that's our main strategy at the moment. Uh, uh, although Meta Group is a large company, uh, 6 billion euros per, per annum, uh, we know nothing about the textile market. Uh, all we know more now, but uh, in 2014, when I went to Tokyo to to ask Itochu to to partner up, uh, we didn't know anything. So at the moment, we are working uh, with, with Itochu. Itochu works with the with the customers, the brands, and and uh, gives us feedback. And our we focus on the technology, which is uh, the demonstration plant in in Anekoski, Finland. But we have also uh, already now created a brand, Kura. Uh, and, and if you want to follow the project, go to kura.io, uh, so you will see what is going on. Uh, and, and that was partly, although not in business yet, uh, it takes time to uh, build a brand, but also for the for Itochu to to have a, a, a you know a, a storyline to, to to go back to because it's not so easy to uh, to explain uh, you know the the Finnish forest and and. Uh, the cooperative structure and, and the fact that these uh, forest owners, they actually want us to make the, the textile fiber. It's, it's, nobody, it's not the situation where you, uh, what you hear about where, where companies come, come and steal the, the tree, the wood, from, mm. from the forest nearby. In this case, it's really people who are managing the, the, the forest so that it can, they can sell the wood 
and, and make, uh, for instance, Kura textile fibers. So they are very proud. And even in our on, on the Kura.io uh, page, I think we have four real forest owners uh, explaining why they, 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 they are part of this and, and how they are proud about this. So that's our stake. Exciting stuff. Niklas von Weyman and Kirsitero, thank you so much for sharing you. your insights today. That was an outtake from the Transformation Conference in Helsinki in May of 2022. The Transformation Conference is a two-part event and the second edition takes place in Stockholm on August 25, 2022 during Nordic Fabric Fair. If you want to get an invite to that event, please make sure to subscribe to our newsletter. Visit scandinavianmind.com newsletter. Until next time, goodbye.